Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here with you. I also have my good co-host, or my good friend and good co-host as well, uh, Travis Krenz. He's also co-host of the 2080 Baseball Podcast. You can find that on iTunes. Travis, good evening. Good evening. It's, uh, we're, we're getting down there. Basketball, NHL playoffs, uh, pretty soon it'll just be baseball on, uh, I, I'm excited to oh, no. uh, be able to do stuff outdoors. Sure, I like I like the baseball. So this is uh, same old stuff for me, I guess. But once you get done with this exhibition season of basketball, that'll be good. Yes. And, um, the, the the hockey continues on, so we're we're in the midst of baseball now. We're almost forty games in, so that's good. We'll get to some baseball talk here momentarily, but uh, but first, uh, NBA playoffs going on. The Cavs swept the Raptors, uh, so they're still undefeated. The Warriors uh, likely are still undefeated. They are, as at least at the recording of this podcast. Um, I mean, these. I don't know how the NBA playoff ratings are up. I don't know why people are watching this because these playoffs, for the most part have been relatively garbage. At least we have two somewhat competitive series in Boston, Washington, and San Antonio and Houston. Even those games haven't been close for the most part. Um, we've had teams win by 10, 15 points in those two series. So they're both tied at two, but they, there's no close games. I don't, there's not many games in these playoffs that roll off the tongue as far as a great game. Yeah, so uh, I am surprised the ratings are up a little bit. And I don't know why, because uh, he's been some bad, bad playoffs. They have. Uh, let's let's start in the East again. Cavs sweep the Raptors. Anything that you took away there? I mean, if Cleveland is is playing really well. Don't get me wrong, but I, I feel like they they still haven't been tested at all. Indiana probably should have won a game or two against them, but didn't. I heard something on the radio. I didn't hear details. All I heard was Toronto may make some changes and uh, for the bad. I don't know why. They've been good for a few years now. They're the best stretch that they've ever had. I don't know why they would blow things up. Um, it's just a waiting time until LeBron isn't playing anymore. Yeah. That's going to be a while yet. So, you know, it's... Uh, it was a bad time to be born this time this time around for the being the Eastern Conference. Well, Kyle Lowry has opted out of his contract with the Raptors. Uh, I, I I agree with you. I think there are some things that need to be retooled with Toronto, but this is not something where they should blow it up. I mean, if we're going to talk about blowing something up here, I, I look at two teams. I look at Toronto and I look at the Clippers as two teams that probably should stay intact and just make some subtle moves. But unfortunately, I'm probably going to undergo some wholesale changes here uh, come the off season. Two teams that aren't title contenders, and there's nothing they can really do to make themselves a title contender because Cleveland and Golden State are not going to change. So, and they're not better than those teams. They're not close to being better than those teams. And it's just a case of you have to hope that they get an injury or something. Um, because that's the only way they're going to beat Cleveland or Golden State. Who is going to take that place of Cleveland once LeBron James retires here in about three or four years? 
think it's going to be like the uh, when Jordan left. Um, going to be a void, and nobody really filled it. And the Pacers, you had the Sixers, you had the Nets for a couple of years, you had the Pistons. Um, not fun to watch, but uh, Boston is certainly set up. So maybe a year ahead of schedule, getting the one seed and paying it to uh, get to Cleveland. That'd be great for them. Mm-hmm. They do have the, uh, they have the number one pick in the draft. They get the number one. One of the uh, well, one of the top three picks with the, with the lottery coming up here in, in a week or two. So, um, and they got all those Nets picks, and they've got a chance. I would say uh, Boston be a team that would fill that void. The other team that I could see doing it, if they can keep their guys in place, would be Milwaukee with the Greek Freak. Yeah, possibly if they could add add another guy there. Um, he should, yeah, he should, he should probably move somewhere else. But uh, yeah. If he stays, they have a couple more guys. They'll be a team that could be a top three team. I agree. Uh, the this Celtics Wizards series, uh, I think the Wizards argue. You could argue. You could make the argument that the Wizards should have swept the Celtics, considering they've been on a twenty-two zero run up there in Boston. Uh, what they went on a twenty-two zero run up there in Boston. I think game two, they had a big run in game one, and yet the series is tied two-two. I have to think that Washington is still going to find a way to win this series, but uh, how do you see this with two of the final three games as of the recording of this podcast being played in Boston? I'll go with Boston. Um, I think they're better because uh, with those with those runs that they went on, they still didn't win. So I still think Boston's a more a more balanced team, I guess. In the West, uh, Tony Parker out for the playoffs here for San Antonio. But now Houston has their own injury issue with Nene. Uh, what's the bigger loss, Nene or Parker? Tony Parker. Okay. That's what I thought you would say, and I think that uh, that's probably the right answer. Could one make the argument that Nene has kind of elevated his play here in Houston and is going to be a bigger loss than we might expect. No. I don't know where he fits in with Houston with the way they play. It doesn't seem like that's a good fit. The, with, with, with their style of play, I don't know where he fits in there. He doesn't shoot threes. He's just a guy. So, easily replaceable, I would think. This series is probably going in seven games, right? Are we leaning Spurs or Rockets here? Probably Rockets just with the injury, but uh, they're going to have to win another game in San Antonio. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an intriguing series. I think both teams can give uh, Golden State maybe a six-game series. So, yeah, probably uh, just to see, because Houston probably has a better chance to beat Golden State at this point. So, um, yeah, probably Houston-Golden State would be a more intriguing matchup. I would sense. Okay. You know, it's all about the uh, no, home courts. If San Antonio can win at home, they'll be fine. But uh, we'll see. Steve Kerr not going to coach in this series here with Utah. Well, not like not like it matters. But uh, still talk about him maybe not being able to coach here in the finals. Have we seen the last of Steve Kerr on the bench potentially? For this season, I think we'll be back next year. I think we'll get something figured out. And, um, yeah, I think it's a huge loss. 
Mike Brown's more capable. Luke Walt was fine. Um, and when you got the when you got the roster, Golden State does. It doesn't take a whole lot to coach that. So. Anything else NBA playoffs related before we move on? I hope to hell Draymond Green doesn't do something stupid like he has been. So don't get suspended. You're, you're winning the title if you don't get suspended. Okay, so don't do something stupid. Um, I'd say that's the only way Golden State doesn't win the whole. Thing. What what was I? Where did I see this? Now I'm trying to think. He said on his podcast that he believes there is a player. Oh, that now this is great because I'm. It said he was a dirty player, dirtier than him. And out there, yeah. And it was one of the the current playoff teams. And I am forgetting now who. It was. I'll try and pull this up here. But, I mean, that's the pot calling the kettle black for Draymond Green to call someone dirtier than he is, considering he likes to kick people in the groin. Could be. Pot to hear the name. I don't know. It's an interesting take. But, yeah, it's, um, I like them, just don't get suspended. Yeah, that would, that would be helpful. Yeah, and they would have won the, uh, they would have won the NBA championship last year had it not been for him getting suspended. So quite possible they were, they were up three one and he was suspended for a game and they lost and they lost the next two, so we'll uh, never know. But uh logic would say uh they win. Oh, uh, here it is. Kelly Olinick. Draymond Green says Kelly Olinick uh, is a dirty player. Uh doesn't respect him at all. Could be, yeah, he's been involved with the scuffle. And what he was not suspended, the other guy was. Yep. Oubre was suspended. So, yep. uh, Oubre did not take kindly to Olenek. So, um, I'll, I'll default to Draymond Green on this. I have not played against Kelly Olenek. So, uh, I'll, I'll say okay. You, have player. you played against Draymond Green? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> um,. I mean, Olenek, the, the thing that I think justifies a little bit to what Draymond is saying is that Olenek, you might remember, was involved in the uh, incident that uh, with Kevin Love when Kevin Love, what, you know, separated his shoulder or whatever and was out for the, the playoffs or dislocated. So, I mean, that there is some merit to what he says, but uh, Olenek overall, the dirty player, I, I, I don't know, but... I also believe he was involved in the 92 L.A. riots, so that's uh, oh, another strike against him. Uh, do you want to go baseball next or the miscellaneous bag of tricks? Oh, I love I love my baseball. I love my baseball. You do? So, uh, the Twins? I can't, I, can't pick, I can't pick what teams are going to win, but Jesus Christ, I love my baseball. Uh, the Twins, I, I see, have just given up another run in the ninth inning here to the Boston Red Sox. That sure. game is still ongoing here. Uh, what a... Just, just a disaster against the Red Sox on Sunday in the ninth inning. What ten run, nine ten runs by the by the Red Sox? I think yeah, it was ten. It was seven to six going in there. Not like the Twins maybe would or would have won the game, but still, you got to do better than that. Good little game there with some offense with Sale and Santana leading the league in the ERA, and there's you know three touchdowns worth the run scored. Twins, yeah, Twins came back a little bit there with 7-6. Got to do better than that. Um, bullpen has not 
good. Um, Matt Belisle, Ryan Presley, guys that are expected to get outs in the seventh and eighth have given up 24 runs in 24 innings. So, Twins had the bullpen streak earlier in the year of like 17 scoreless innings or something like that, and uh, they gave it all up there in the ninth inning. So, they gave up 28 runs the last two games. Not good. Uh, they were still in first place a few days ago. They're giving half back now with Cleveland. They play Cleveland this weekend. They're still above 500. You got the White Sox Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you go three and three this weekend. I'd probably take that. Are we still calling the San Francisco Giants the most disappointing team in baseball this year? Either them or Toronto, and um, they got about the same record right now. And yeah, I'm done with uh, I'm done with San Francisco, and uh, I picked them for the World Series. And uh, they were bad before Bumgarner got hurt, and they have not gotten any better. So I don't know what's wrong there. They just have not performed. It's not like it's not like they don't have good players. Uh, they've just not played well. Johnny Cueto has not pitched well. Um, he's a free agent, I believe, or he could opt out. So he could be a guy that they could maybe trade to get something for him. I'm very much looking forward to the trade deadline already two months away so two and a half months away so not uh, not a good season for the Giants very uncharacteristic what would have been the more unrealistic statement at the beginning of the season that you would have bought into that the Reds would be in first place in the NL Central on May 8th or that the Giants would be in last place in the NL West what uh, what statement would you, would you have believed more the Reds should so early and uh, you have the Padres in there with the Giants and the Padres. Preseason was, was my worst team, and um, they're still in that mix for worst team with the Royals. Yeah, the Reds, the Reds aren't doing bad. Uh, they're in the mix there. You look at the AL and NL Central, just what a mess. Both of those divisions are a game or two separating the top to bottom if you just get rid of Kansas City. So that's good to see. A lot of uh, a lot of teams still in the race. Start of week six. Uh, we'll get to the biggest story that happened in baseball last week here in just a second. But uh, finally, the, the the Mets they have a lot of issues with their pitching. Uh, of course, Noah Syndergaard is out on you know, for a while with that lat tear. Then you have Matt Harvey uh, that just didn't show up to the ballpark at all on Saturday. So the Reds said, uh, nope. We aren't pitching you on Sunday in your scheduled start spot. You're suspended three days. Uh, this, or three games. What the hell is going on with the Mets? I've always thought they should trade one of these guys because their offense is not good. And these guys do have injury trouble. I think Matt Harvey should probably be that guy out of that. That should get traded. Um, back from Tommy John, still isn't very good. So, he probably never, he'll probably be one of those guys where his first couple of years were his best two years. And an injury happened. He never got back to what he used to be. So it seems like it would be a good idea for those two sides to part ways. Whether it was the way it was in the playoffs this year or a couple of years ago and him pitching or not pitching, um, it'd probably be a good idea for them to go separate ways and for them to trade him. But he'll be back. I think he pitches against Milwaukee this week, and uh, they need him to step up a little bit because, as you mentioned, they have some injuries, and um, they're without their best pitcher. So, 
Now, uh, the story that dominated not just really baseball, but kind of the the, the sporting world, uh, I mean, to the country to a lesser extent with what transpired between the Red Sox and the Orioles last week in Boston. In, on Monday, uh, Orioles outfielder Adam Jones had a lot of racial, or had a few racial slurs thrown or, you know, thrown at him, or you know, cast down upon him by some uh, racist fans out there in the the Fenway bleachers. Tuesday, you have what was it? Chris Sale throwing behind Manny Machado. Then Wednesday, we have uh, was it Gaussman uh, throw the for the. Baltimore Orioles throws a 76-mile-an-hour curveball and hits one of the Red Sox, and he gets tossed, uh, which is absolutely ludicrous. And then uh, Thursday, Manny Machado hits a home run that I believe just landed uh, perhaps in the Atlantic Ocean now, or Martha's Vineyard, uh, and then he took 29.77 seconds to round the bases uh, on that home run trot. This is... I don't remember a more contentious series or two teams that really hate each other for no apparent reason other than Baltimore in the first series. Uh, a slide that, uh, by I think it was by Machado, kind of took out Dustin Pedroia, but it didn't look intentional. You could see Machado was trying to help him and was concerned for him right away. And the Red Sox have taken it upon themselves to be baseball police and uh, just go at Baltimore any which way. This is ridiculous. Uh, The Red Sox deserve a lot of criticism, a lot of ridicule. But this was quite the four-game series out there in Boston. And Chris Sale, I would have been fine with him being maybe suspended. That's all. I mean, I don't... Like Boston hasn't really done any, or uh, Baltimore hasn't done anything wrong in this thing. They've just been getting hits and hits and hits. And uh, they unintentionally hit a guy, and that continues. And Boston answers back again. Um, yeah, so Bo- I don't think Boston looks all that great in this situation, and it nope. makes you want to really get Boston. Yep. And for Baltimore, I would say. Yes. And Ed with uh, Manny Machado being a free agent here after next season. Uh, the Yankees seem like a damn good spot for him. So there you go. Yeah, because he could still torment the Red Sox here. I mean, I don't yeah. see there being any way he goes in bo- goes to Boston. I mean, it, it, kudos to the to the Red Sox fans on Tuesday after the incident with Adam Jones on Monday for giving Jones a standing ovation, and you know the mayor of Boston coming out, the governor of Massachusetts, everyone saying this is unacceptable. I saw a story where uh, a guy that was with his a father was with his son first game in Boston he heard someone say the n-word a few rows behind him and uh, asked him to repeat it because he wasn't sure and the guy sitting next to him said it and just like that the guy was kicked out of Fenway and now he is banned from the ballpark for life uh, th- th- this is very good this is a problem not just in Boston, not just with the Red Sox and Fenway Park, not just with baseball, but this is something uh, that unfortunately we have to keep dealing with around professional sports, whether that be the NFL, the NBA, and probably to a lesser extent, the NHL. But uh, this, I, I just I don't get why people do this, but uh, 
good job by if there's one good thing we can compliment the Red Sox on, it is their handling of this the Adam Jones situation uh, and the subsequent fan getting ejected and banned from the ballpark for life. And I can't imagine anybody doing that or being around anybody that would do that. Kurt um, said it didn't happen, and uh, he's very ill-informed, uninformed. Isn't he kind uh, of a racist too? Yeah, I would I would uh, classify him as a racist. There's because there's no basis for what he said. There's to by all indications this happened, and he says otherwise. And there's nothing. There's there's something to support that it did happen, and nothing out there to support that it didn't happen. So yeah. I, it's. Unless he was sitting in the stands in that particular area, which I would give the likelihood of that happening as like a .15%, and even that uh, is incredibly high. Uh, yeah, then how the hell would he know? So it's just disappointing. Like People like him have a voice out there. But uh, yeah, the Red Sox, what, they gave Adam Jones a standing ovation the next night, and uh, that should have been the end of it. But then we had to do this thing on... Uh, Wednesday and Thursday night, and then start it all up again. So, uh, the umpire's bad decision with the, with the curveball, hitting a Boston guy, they let that go. So they uh, basically had to throw the entire game with their bullpen since that happened in the second inning. Yep. But, uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll play again. It'll be interesting to see what happens. They pl- this is yeah, they, they play again first week in June. Uh, and kudos to the Boston Red Sox announcing crew, what, Dave O'Brien and uh, – Dennis Eckersley, because when uh, when was it? Is it Gaussman? Yep. Or Gooseman? Uh, when he hit the Red Sox batter and got ejected right away, even O'Brien and Eckersley were like, "What the hell is this? This is this is ridiculous." Uh, yeah, I mean, so they know what's going on here now. So, I mean, I don't know. It's and I. I Good job by the Red Sox TV crew recognizing this. And Machado, it seemed like everything was going away, and then Machado does his home run trot. So do we expect retaliation uh, in a month? I hope not. Machado had a couple of home runs that series, and he took his time both times. That was fun to see him to get a little bit of revenge, because that's really the only thing you can do. I would hope not. And um, you got to have a very short leash. If a Boston pitcher hits somebody, um, I'd have to look at the situation. Maybe I'd give a one to him, but uh, it'd be it'd be very tough not to throw him out. We they all the baseball constantly promotes the Red Sox Yankees rivalry, and we get it. But it's it's gotten stale because you know when the Red Sox have been good, the Yankees really haven't, and you know vice versa. Is Boston Baltimore now becoming that new big AL East flavor that we should be uh, anticipating more and more? Yeah, maybe temporarily, but the uh, Yankees are really, really good now, and we'll see if that lasts. And Boston really hasn't been all that great through a couple games over five hundred, but um, yeah, Boston's been pretty unimpressive this season, and I'm not quite sure they're making the playoffs the way they're at right now. And um, I was saying it's Yankees, Boston, but yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore, Boston, here for the short term. Uh, who is your pitcher of the week, or do you have a batter, or do you have both? 
pitcher. I'll say James. Have I done James Paxton? We have not. Uh, he's a pitcher. He's hurt right now. But he's a pitcher for Seattle. He's good. He is second in the RA in baseball, so that's good. Um, a batter would be a guy I like a lot, and a guy I think could be an all-star for the Reds. Uh, he's a third baseman, Ijunio Suarez. And uh, he's hitting the hell out of the ball, so I like Suarez a lot. Those would be two guys. And something we're doing on the baseball podcast, the other guy came up with, with an idea of, uh, we're, saying, we're calling it the Jared Weaver Award. Some guy that, that, that used to be good, that's made his money, that uh, should not be in baseball anymore. Ooh, I like this. Uh, who is the first nominee? Uh, since it is the Jared Weaver Award, uh, it is Jared Weaver, pitcher for the Padres. Fair enough. Long-time pitcher, long-time pitcher with the Angels, who was uh, very, very good. He's uh, made, at the end of this season, he will have made $99.9 million. So we'll see if he gets $100 million next year. Uh, led the league in strikeouts one year. He used to throw 95-plus. Now is our time throwing 85-plus. So he's the softest tosser, non-knuckleballer in baseball. He's with San Diego, and there's really no reason for him to be with San Diego because there are plenty of other gentlemen who take his spot. The other part of this is you have to come up with a guy to take his spot, and you just look at the roster, uh, their, their minor league roster, their 40-man roster, and you say, hey, this guy should be pitching instead of Jared Weaver. So that's what we're doing. And we're alternating weeks, so I've got it next week. And I'll give you a spoiler. My guy for next week is Chase Utley. Oh. Uh, you want to look at his numbers. Those are bad numbers with the Dodgers. And uh, he should not be playing baseball anymore. And he's a very good player, uh, possible Hall of Famer. Uh, but he should, he's 37, 38. He should not be playing baseball anymore can i can i give you another name perhaps uh ryan howard was released by the braves monday uh, that's who i was oh, gonna he, say yep that was i don't know when that move happened uh a few weeks ago i couldn't even argue what what that was because they're a national league team they have freddie freeman who's a great first baseman i don't know what that was what the end goal of that was. He was terrible in AAA, and he he's done. He is a he's a bad player now. He should not play anymore. Well, and he, to be fair, injuries have really kind of taken sure. their toll. What he tore his Achilles here the um, the last few weeks. How about this? Uh, what, what am I seeing here? Danny Santana is going to Atlanta now. From they they acquired him from it, the it, Twins. Well, good it said. Sad to see Dan Santana go. Uh, they designated him for assignment, which means you can you go through waivers, and if nobody picks you up, then you can go to the minor leagues. And uh, so Atlanta picked him up. They, they, they can have him. That's fine. He's, he's not done well this season. He had a home run versus Oakland this week. But, uh, yeah, I need to, need to open up a roster spot. So that opens up a spot on the 40-man roster. That's exciting. Uh, Kyle Gibson is in the minors. He was terrible. That was a good move. And uh, they are somebody else. Uh, Michael Tonkin, reliever, who's never been good. So it's good to see there. Hopefully somebody picks Michael Tonkin up because I don't want him on my team. So uh, 
good, good little spread of house cleaning here through the first month. Good moves, good moves, twins. How many uh, hits did Byron Buxton get this last week? He got four hits. Holy uh, four crap. Hits. Uh, Holy jits. I mean, Just a couple of games because he was trying to kill himself. Uh, I think it was Thursday afternoon against Oakland. Uh, one, he dove into the wall and opened up one of the doors of the bullpen, I believe. Then he uh, was going backwards, made a catch and kind of a whiplash effect, and he missed a couple games. Had a butt Sunday. That's nice. Um, you look at his past two weeks, he's sitting like 290, and he's got an on-base in the 400s, and that's really, really good. But he's still hitting 160 on the season. So as good as he's been in the last two weeks, he's still at 160, which shows you how bad he was the first three weeks. He could yes. not hit the ball. Uh, so, uh, going based off of his four-hit perf- four, four performance last week, over or under four-and-a-half hits this week. He's been playing really well. His last, uh, the, the two weeks prior were really good weeks where he had like five, six, seven hits, and he had multiple walks, and he was great. Uh, let's see, they play Chicago and Cleveland this week, so that's six games if he plays all six. Four and a half, I'm going to say under the four and a half. Under the four and a half, okay. Uh, any other baseball talk or headlines or anything that you would like to get to? Twins need a starting pitcher. Uh, they should call up Jose Barrios. Uh, he's your big pitching prospect. Called him up last year. He was terrible. Uh, call him up again, see what happens. So uh, they should do that. And the Houston Astros are great. So there you go. Yes, they are. The, Why look, the hell I didn't pick them doing the whole thing? I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, didn't we say that the 2017 was their year? Isn't that what Sports Illustrated predicted like five years ago? 17 or 18, one of the two years. Maybe next year. I, I, I think I put Houston against Cleveland in the ALCS, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Houston's uh, Houston and the Yankees are looking really good. Baltimore's looking good. Nationals might win their division by like 20 games. Uh, everything else kind of up for grabs. Houston and Washington kind of kind of running away with things, but everything else is close. Excellent. Uh, some other some things out of the miscellaneous bag. I have. Uh, you know, did you see who won on the Champions Tour here uh, on Sunday? Noted alcoholic John Daly. Yes. Uh, I couldn't tell you what tournament he won. Uh, I saw. I think he was wearing American. He was wearing the American flag as pants. So that was that's good to see. Uh, but John Daly winning a tournament here, uh, I, I kind of like it. You, you forget that he won the British Open, however many years ago, and then that he was like that big rock and roll Hall of Famer sort of guy. I mean, his status rose incredibly. He was a star in the sport, and all of a sudden. Uh, he just kind of, his game disappeared, and he was just non-existent on tour. No one really gave a shit about him. He also won a PGA Tour, a PGA Championship. He's got two majors. He is, uh, he's in a couple majors this year in the British Open. He's in that. Um, golf ratings are down because nobody cares because there's nobody to care about for the average golf fan. Uh, I think he would spike a rating if he were ever to compete in a major and be uh, be in the mix. He would be a guy that would be a draw, and that would be fun to watch. So hopefully he does well. Seems like uh, he's uh, 
doing good. No more uh, pills and booze or whatever you want to call it. Our, like he's all right. Our, so. fr- our friend David Schottenkirk has often said that golf has the stars. Uh, but I've always pointed to the fact that the ratings won't be good until one of those stars consistently wins. So I'm disappointed in the Jordan Spieths, the Rory McIlroys, the uh, Ricky Fowlers of the world who have not broken through yet and have really started to dominate. Uh, when are we going to see that? Say, as I always say, you can get golf. doesn't mean people care. Um... But he was a top ten guy. Who were we talking about the other day? The uh, was it Ian Poulter or was it some guy, some random guy nobody cares about? Is that great? Six like Justin Rose is a top ten golfer, very good. Nobody cares. Uh, Dustin Johnson, people watch him. Oh, well, maybe I don't know. Uh, Spieth, McElroy, they've been they've won many majors. They've been in the mix. Are they big draws? No, people don't care. So. Uh, they hear about Phil Mickelson, and he's about done. But um, just because you're a good golfer and a star among golfers doesn't mean you're a star among the common folk. And uh, people just do not care, and they're not watching. So until somebody gets uh, a fire under somebody's ass, or unless uh, Spieth or McElroy win a Grand Slam in a year, um, then people may care. But until then... Uh, nobody is watching the golf like they used to. The uh, the Kentucky Derby was on Saturday. Did you watch? Did you place a bet? No bet. I watched. It was fine. Um, didn't care. Uh, yeah. There you go. Always dreaming. One. And then uh, looking at Lee and Battle of Midway. We're uh, second and third. So what's that? Place and show, if I have my horse terminology correct. Uh Charlie's pick of Thunder Snow pulled up out of the gates right away because wasn't used to the wet track. And truth be told, I thought uh, Thunder Snow was going to be right there as well. Uh, Always Dreaming doesn't seem like the sort of horse. I think a lot of people were looking at Classic Empire and maybe Irish War Cry as potential Triple Crown contenders this year. Uh, we haven't had a, a triple crown in what two years now. Oh, oh my God! No, right. Uh, going 50-some years in between, and now just two? I, I feel deprived. We need something here. Uh, it is always dreaming. Uh, are we would uh, No shot at a triple crown, right? I don't know. She'll probably win the second race. I have no idea. Um, I thought the triple crown would be bigger than it happened, and then I forgot that it actually happened. So that's a disappointment. And uh, 50 in a row, the favorites won the Kentucky Derby. So very exciting. Yeah, and that's... I've, that surprised me. And I feel, though... That surprised you? Well... That he won or that it's five in a row? That that it's five in a row. And I... Yeah. Truth be told, I didn't know that Always Dreaming was the favorite until after I read this. Because I was, you know, in and out and stuff on, on Saturday. I wasn't paying that close attention to the pre, uh, pre-race festivities. Because I'd always heard, you know, the classic Empire was right up there. I you wonder if the, the muddied track... It had to have played a role in why the betting kind of went to always dreaming at that point. Possibly. But, Maybe, uh, yeah, the, the one horse was not having it. The one horse said, no. screw this. Yeah, Thundersnow, he was freaked out. Oh, what is this mud? I'm going to get mud on my hooves. Oh, 
Oh, terrible. Not a chance. Not uh, a chance. So, yeah, the Preakness will be in a few weeks. We'll see if Always Dreaming can win that second leg, and then that'll really mean that the Belmont will be for, will be a lot more intriguing right. should Always Dreaming win. Uh, finally, the last thing I can think of anyway... Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Teddy Bridgewater here lately. About the, oh, there's been talk, folks. There's been talk. Let's uh, talk. About the Vikings not picking up the fifth-year option, and they confirmed that last week when they when the deadline came and went, and they did not pick up the contract or pick up that option. And now uh, there's talk about the contract tolling if Bridgewater is not playing or starting by the sixth game of the season because that would be when he'd be on the physically unable to perform list and there is some language in the collective bargaining agreement that the contract would toll and I think that the Vikings would have to pay and this is could set up a big uh, nasty kind of sort of uh, Collision between say, team what, what, and... What do you mean when you say that, that it's null and void or it rolls over or what? Uh, let, let's see if I can pull this language up here from Mike Florio with Pro Football Talk. You know, the, the Bible of football news is Pro Football Talk. So let's see what I can uh, bring up here. Other than Zimmer goes out and says that things are going well. Um, I don't expect him to play next year. He probably shouldn't. There's no reason to pick up his option since he ain't going to play. That was a, that was a much to do about nothing, similar to how whenever it was late last year where, where guys were saying, oh, he may never play again, and there was no basis for that. It was a Kurt Schilling-type argument. There was no basis for your argument. And um, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be back next uh, 2018. He'll be their quarterback, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so, and Rick Spielman, Vikings general manager, was on with uh, uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, on Friday, and he said that, we know the, quote, we know the rule very well, we've talked to the management council, we understand everything that's involved with it, but again, it's something from a contractual standpoint that I'd rather not comment on, but there are specific rules, and we're quite aware of what those rules are. Uh, then if we're talking about it tolling here, if he remains on the physically unable to perform list, I mean, it, it just seems like a lot of people are making this to be something. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any story here. It, it, it is and it isn't. Uh, the decision not to pick up the option to me, is not a surprise whatsoever because why would you pick up an option for a guy who you don't even know is going to be playing? Why don't you take that money and use it to help make the team better? And it's not that they don't have faith in Teddy, but it's just a smart business decision. Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman have always said that they want Teddy Bridgewater on the team, and maybe that's just trying to save face at this point, but I firmly believe that you know, the team is doing everything they can to help Teddy Bridgewater come back. They want to see him on the field in purple. They want to see him succeed. So why would they why would they do anything like this? This would I mean I I just don't get why they're so much surprised that they wouldn't pick it up. But then again, this language does uh 
It, it is interesting because according to Article 20, Section 2 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement, quote, any player placed on a physically unable to perform list, uh, a.k.a. the PUP list, will be paid his full Paragraph 5 salary while on such list. His contract will not be told for the period he is on PUP except... What the hell the, does that word mean? I, this, well, see, then this is what I'm trying to get to here. Uh, told like a like a fucking like a toll like you're driving down a bridge. That well, that's what I kind of wondered at first as well. What the hell does toll mean? Yeah, they're they're gonna have to pay him his salary, or they're not paying him his salary. I don't know. Uh, It says uh, that the 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 contract will not be told except in the last year of a contract when the player's contract will be told if he is still physically unable to perform his football services as of the sixth regular season game. Uh, let's go on. This means that the contract will toll only if the player is on the pup list as of the sixth regular season game. Uh, all right. Yeah. What the hell does toll mean? I, I can't. What I, what I understood, what I understood, and what I said from last week, if he is on that list, they basically, uh, they have to pay him, of course, but, He's with them for another year. It's what I understood from what I read last week. So if he doesn't play this year and he's on that pup list, he's basically under contract for the following year as well. Yeah, what I'm... I understand, and that's what I'm going with until I know any different. So that's what I'm going with to where he is going to be under contract. Anyway, I did hear this week or last week that you know, Vikings right now do not have a quarterback under contract. For 2018, I'm fine with that. I mean, I, that's fine. I mean, we're it is May of 2016, I or 17. 17 I could yeah. give a shit. I could give a shit about uh, week one of the NFL season 18 months from now. No, no, Brad Bradford's not under contract. Bridgewater isn't. One of those two guys are going to start the first game. You would assume in two years from now. It's not an urgent situation. Uh, you see if Bradford can stay healthy, you see if Bridgewater can walk again and do what he has to do. So uh, I'm not uh, as upset as uh, others that I saw discussing this. It's fine. They'll figure it out. They'll sign one of these guys. And I think, I think Florio's talking about it just because other people are talking about it more. So he's actually going into the contract element of it and not sure, the... I'm, I like that he adds some actual context to this year instead of just other people reporting. Oh, they're not picking up his option. Oh my god! Yeah, what does this oh, yeah. mean? I mean, I don't know what's going on in the scenes at Winter Park, but I had I could only hope and I and I imagine that they aren't doing anything with Teddy Bridgewater maliciously. They want him on the team, and they they are going to do everything they can to get him on the team and to you know to start sixteen games for the Minnesota Vikings in hopefully lead them to a Super Bowl. But at the same time, you have to be realistic. And until Teddy can come back and show that he's got the strength in his leg and you don't have to worry about the injury, I, I think everything's kind of a, a moot point at, at right now. For me, the story would have been if they would have picked up the option. It would have been like, what the hell are you doing? You yeah. might not even play again. I think you'll play again. Or I think it's a little, I think it's a little overblown. I'm sure there's no, whenever you miss two years of football, that's a serious injury. But I don't know. I don't, I just don't know how that injury was so bad, a non-contact like that. 
just a freak thing. I think he'll be fine and he'll be back. I hope so as well. Um, and Mike Zimmer, for what it's worth, so, uh, for what it's worth, sounded optimistic last week at the Vikings rookie minicamp. Well, which, by the way, Dalvin Cook looks very good. Up there. That's according to Mike Zimmer and uh, and the team. So that's great. Uh, you can get Dalvin Cook going. Have we ever have we ever heard a bad report from a minicamp? Um, this guy, this guy sucks. Jesus. Of course, it's not something that's out there. I mean, you hear this guy. Bucky Hodges, what a loser. Well, did you hear what number Bucky Hodges is wearing? The great 84. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, you do and you don't. I think if, with a pick like Dalvin Cook where they got him, I think you're looking for, you know, to, to validate trading up for him and saying, hey, you know, we had some other pressing needs like offensive line or defensive line, but we went with a running back who can help make this offense that much better. And for him to show you that explosiveness, I think it kind of validates and vindicates the whole reason why they traded up for him. But I don't know. We'll see. It, it's still a long ways to go, but uh, I do like, at least in theory, that uh, Dalvin Cook will, will be good and uh, we'll see what Sam Bradford can do with a revamped offensive line. But, yeah. I mean, the, the, the main story, though, is about Teddy Bridgewater and, the, and everyone freaking out about him not picking, the Vikings not picking up an option. And this whole tolling thing makes me think I'm on the turnpike at uh, in New Jersey, in New York City. i got to get Jeff Lloyd II on to explain this tolling position. Jeff Lloyd, aye, aye. Yes. Um... Other than that, I have nothing else, I don't think. Do you have anything? Yeah, Marcus coming up. Uh, hopefully, we hope to get Marcus on. Oh, uh, one other thing with the Vikings here that I think uh, that interests me, and maybe because it uh, it factors it, like Charlie would have a little say in this too. Apparently, who is it? Uh, is it Tommy Armstrong Jr., the quarterback from Nebraska, is going to sign with the Vikings to play safety? Um, I, I don't. I don't get this. Uh, do you think he could make a worthwhile safety to pair alongside Harrison Smith? No, he will not make the team. Okay, this uh, this just seems rather interesting here. But yes, uh, worth a chance. Bring him in. See what happens. Who the hell knows? But yes, uh, we, we uh, I do hope to get Marcus on here to talk some NHL playoffs coming up here. Uh, the Predators are in the, the Western Conference yeah. Finals for the first time in franchise history. Crins, we're four wins away from a Nashville Stanley Cup final game. Uh, how excited are you about this? Very excited. The the Oil Men came back in a big way. Uh, won an Oil Men Predators final on the West Side. So uh, I saw a National TV station thought that Nashville made the Stanley Cup Finals, so that's not quite right. But uh, the the Oil Men, they let one get away the other night. We should be done with this. But the Oil Men, not yeah. great. Friday and, night, uh, three nothing lead, and they gave up. And that, and then the Ducks pulled the goalie with three minutes and change to go and scored three goals. That that's embarrassing. That cannot happen. Oh, they did. And it looks like we're going to a game seven with Pittsburgh and Washington. So that should be all sorts of fun. Oh, we can only hope. Will Ovi, will Ovi impress? I mean, move him to the third line. That's 
that's something. But um, yeah. I one uh, non-sports way to talk. We we've often asked guests on the show, mainly uh, Terry Vanderbeck, about cereal in the past. Uh, and I'm a bull myself. Yes. Yes. Uh, have you ever watched the show uh, Bar Rescue on Spike TV? I've seen it before. Did did you do you like it? Would you watch it if it was on? I would stop for five or ten minutes, potentially. Okay. I mean, I, I've really grown addicted to it. I watch it a lot on Sundays now, because that's the only day that Spike TV shows it, which is a doggone shame. But uh, I, it made me think, if we were still in our college days, and John Taffer had to, had to come to Brookings, or came to Brookings... Mm-hmm. Would he be able to revitalize the now uh, the now dead Lantern Lounge? Would he have been able to turn that uh, bar around as the Lantern? Well, yeah, or something like like he did already, and that's what the chain. Well, now it's the the wild hair or whatnot, but he didn't do that. I mean, oh. I would have liked to see what he would have done to change the Lantern Lounge. Well, I was in there whenever the hell I was in there, and I saw what they did, and uh, I would say improvements to what it used to be, I would say. Yes. Have, I don't know if you've been there. I have a couple of times. It's a nice a nice outdoor area. I mm-hmm. was there. That's something that they didn't have before. So I'd say it's an improvement from the sticky floor of the past. Uh, are there is there a bar in Mitchell or uh, can you think of Sioux Falls that would uh, would that could use a touch from John Taffer and Bar Rescue? Mm. One doesn't come to mind right now. No, I'm not much of a frequenter of the bars, and there's not one that comes to mind. Right. Uh, no, no. Okay. I would say no. I don't know. The, the the show is just. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, uh, I just am obsessed with the show here lately, so I just thought. What do you uh, like about? I, you know what? Part of me thinks like I, I like seeing him yell at the guys like, "Hey, you have this bar, and you are just a dick to your employees. You, you just don't care at all about what you're serving your customers. You're three hundred thousand dollars in debt, and you." get drunk all all day long at work uh what the hell are you doing with your life part of me when i watch this show makes me think oh hey i think i could do a better job at running a bar or owning a bar than this and make some money and then the other part of me says oh boy there's probably a lot to it that i don't really know but i just like seeing the the total transformation it's a it's very very intriguing to me and he's getting, you know what, I, I kind of like when uh, John Taffer is an ass to people. Oh, good. I like it. It's just, it's humorous to me. So that's, that's part of the show. Yeah. Uh, do you have any TV shows that you are intrigued by here lately that you're kind of hooked on? Better Call Saul. I like that show. You do? Okay. That's the Very one on uh, AMC, which also has uh, produced... Shows like uh, The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad. I know you are a Breaking sure. Bad fan, correct? Yeah, I watched the second. Gotta watch. Okay. 
that's on the list. That's on the list. We're we're trying to catch up with Game of Thrones here. Uh, there's no Vikings on the horizon, so uh, we'll we'll try and get Breaking Bad in the docket here. Another show on Netflix. President House of Cards. Oh, yep, I've heard good things about that. Uh, have you seen that? No, I have not seen it, but I've heard good things about it. First season was a little uh, a little slow. Second season I thought was better. Charlie, I believe, thought like the first season was the best season. I thought the second season was quite a bit better than the first. So we have different opinions on that. And uh, slow to watch that one. And they're like five seasons in or so. Almost done with season two. And it's uh, pretty good. And also, uh, yeah, we have to mention Yankees and Cubs played an 18-inning game on Sunday. Yes. Got done, hours. got done at what, 1 a.m. Central Time? Yep. 5-4 uh, Yankees won. Nobody could score forever. So. 48 strikeouts. That's a record for a game. So yep. that's good. And we should also... Uh, it cannot go without uh, throwing Jalen Rose under the bus for saying oh this time last year that he guaranteed a Connor McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather fight on the Kentucky Derby weekend. He guaranteed it. We don't even have a fight scheduled between these two. So Jalen Rose, you need to just stick to basketball. I know you have a show on ESPN Radio, but uh, after this lackluster guarantee which you said i know it's going to happen i have sources uh, go to hell with your sources stay to stick to basketball he didn't have any sources well he, that was a lie what he said was a complete lie so there you go i mean it's it's one thing to say you know what i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say i think that this is gonna happen no he said it's going to happen he knows it's, it's gonna happen, happen. And terrible others others have said that as well that was a bad take. Bad take. And I don't feel like people are uh, are reminding him of this nearly as much. So maybe I need to keep doing it. You need to do it. You need to do it. Kind of like the Knicks better than Knicks. We need to... Oh, Christoph's Przingis. Is he going to be a clipper? Or was it truly hacked? I don't know. I don't think he'll be a clipper. Yeah. And I don't know. Very good. Yeah. Anything else before we uh, call it a or wrap it up? Cody Bellinger, very good rookie for the Dodgers, first baseman slash outfielder who can play center field. So that's an odd combination. Uh, the Twins, I believe, wanted him in a Brian Dozier trade, and that's good because he's a very good player. He's great for the uh, Dodgers. He's my rookie of the year. He's been up 10 games, so I like Cody Bellinger. And uh, Jamison Tyon. Good young pitcher for the Pirates is out with a groin injury, which is somewhat turned into testicular cancer. So that's not great for him. Hopefully he gets back soon. Yes. Uh, quickly with the Brian Dozier deal, uh, did the Twins ask, was their asking price too high? And should, yes. Have they missed the window to trade Dozier? I mean, he's not gotten off to the greatest of starts this season. Uh, no. Likewise, then... Or is that going to be a lesson that they learn when looking at Irvin Santana and whether to trade him or not at the deadline? The thing where I think they really wanted to trade Dozier 
but uh, he had the best season I'll ever have. So you sell high and you ask for a lot. If somebody gets a key, you trade them. But if they don't, then, oh, well, we'll just keep them, and we'll be happy keeping them. Um, Irvin Santana can continue to pitch well. Um, hopefully they can uh, get a guy. Uh, Dozier's worth a lot more than Santana because of the age difference mm-hmm. and the money difference. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the thing is, if Santana pitches as well as he has for the past four months, um, Twins are going to be good. Twins are going to be in the race, and they're not going to be sellers. They're going to be buyers more than sellers. So it's a thing where if he pitches well, they're going to keep him. So I don't, um, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee him pitching this well and them being not good. So right. it's they should, they should, it reminds me of a couple of years ago where they were in the mix all season long. So um, maybe they had a bad spell here, and they do trade him. I'd be fine with that. But uh, it's just, it's just, it's just a matter of if, if they're in, if they're in the race, they're not going to trade them. But if they're maybe 10, 10 games under five hundred for some reason at the All Star break, then they're probably going to. It's they just to one... real... yeah. Sorry, go ahead. It has to be really bad for them to be ten under uh, by the All Star break. It just seems like one of those things where you you look at the the guys that they could have traded. Uh, and gotten a lot for I'm thinking Joe Maurer back in the day they could have gotten something good from Boston or the the Yankees you look at Brian Dozier not that I'm sad that he's still here but you look at that maximum that peak of the maximum trade value not getting anything for him there and now with Santana pitching as well as he is again you don't know if you'll be able to keep him beyond what next year so is this uh is this something where you have to Look for look towards the future and the present rather than just the present and try and make this team better. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but it seems like the Twins have missed out on a couple of opportunities before, and hopefully they will make the right decision here. I'd like to see them keep Santana, but if someone says, hey, uh, we'll give you uh, some good prospects here, some, some high-chip guys that you know will succeed or have a pretty good chance at succeeding at the next level? I don't know. Maybe maybe you do it. I would say no on Maurer as far as that happening in the past. Santana's 34. He'll be 35 next year. Last year of his contract. So, no. They can go either way with him. Even if they keep him, I mean, he's going to be 35 next year. So, it's not like he's part of your future. So. Very true. Very true. Yeah. All right, my friend. We will uh, we'll talk to you next week. And uh, again, the twenty eighty baseball podcast can be found on yeah. iTunes. You and Evan. Ooh, and yes. Evan, I forget his last name, but Evan. Evan Hendershot. Yeah, Hendershot. Huh? Hendershot. What a what a goddamn name. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. We'll see you later tomorrow night. All right. Yes. We'll see you. Okay. Travis Crins joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate the time and perspective, as always. Uh, good stuff there. You can also find the 2080 Baseball Podcast on iTunes, as well as this podcast on iTunes here. Coming up next, though, we hope to get Marcus Traxler on the, on the podcast to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
Nashville has, has secured one of their spot, uh, a spot in the Western Conference Finals. Who else is going to join Nashville in the finals? And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that and what's happened in the second round here. So plenty more to get to here on the Sports Block Podcast. All right, continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, pleased to be joined by our good friend Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic to talk some Stanley Cup playoffs. Marcus, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Uh, I mean, last week we were talking about maybe the inevitable end to the Washington Capitals. Now, we don't know, as of the recording of this interview, exactly what has happened to the Capitals, but down 3-1 in the series to force a Game 7 Wednesday night back in Washington, D.C., uh, hey, the Capitals are showing that they are have at least not given up and aren't failing like in years past. At least not at this point. Yeah, it's interesting to look at this. I mean, they've, they've uh, you know fought off elimination twice now in this series. Um, but I, I would say that if they don't win Game Seven, I mean, it, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much they really accomplish. If you know right. what I mean. So um, this is still a pretty big game for them. I, and I think you know Pittsburgh. Uh, they don't want to go out at this stage either, even if they were up 3-1. So it's very intriguing. You know, as we sit here, we don't really have any idea how this is going to unfold because we just had so many uh, twists and turns and changes of course in this series that have made it really captivating. Absolutely. And I think the way Pittsburgh played in Game 6 was just a huge wrench in everybody's idea of how this was all going to go down. So uh, it's very intriguing uh, coming into Game 7. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh, for the lack of... Better, I mean, they didn't show up hardly. Washington right. had all the energy in Game Six. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Sidney Crosby and the concussions that he may or may not have, or just how they all check out. And uh, the, the NHL's concussion policy it was under the microscope for a large part of Mike and Mike on Wednesday. I heard, and they never talk hockey. So when you when they do, unfortunately, it seems like they're talking about something bad or something that questions the league, but. Uh, the way that the league or the Penguins are maybe handling this Sidney Crosby situation is uh, rather intriguing, don't you think? Well, I think he came out, you know, obviously he kind of kept playing, and then it, it sort of came out that, you know, there was a spotter who was, you know, he basically doesn't have the authority to tell him to come out of the game, and everybody kind of said, well, how does that work? And, and then they did kind of come back the next day and say, well, he was checked out by a doctor, and he didn't seem to have, uh, any issues, but, you know, anybody who's watching at home and see that bit where he's basically going head first into the boards, I mean, it's hard to argue or hard to think that, given his history, that that's not a serious head injury uh, with Sidney Crosby. So, or, you know, it doesn't have some sort of impact. So, you know, we're, we're the people that are diagnosing this from 1,500 miles away, but right. I just, you know, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And I think, you know, people are right to question it. It's, you know, it's sports, and I, you know, when he's one of the stars of the league, I think it's a fair thing for fans to talk about and be concerned about because um, the NHL's record on this sort of thing isn't any better than the NFL's. Or, I mean, it's just they're, they're, they don't have uh, very good ground to stand on either. So you hope it's not serious. You hope it's uh, something that he can somehow overcome or, or not have to deal with too much longer, but... Um, I mean, that's a serious, it looks serious, and I, mm-hmm. I don't think fans are wrong to say, you know, you might want to take a little bit longer to check that out. The NHL in years past, when there has been something uh, 
at issue, maybe like a rule, they are quick to change it. They are quicker than any other sport at implementing new rules because they will do it in the middle of the season if need be. Now, because this concussion uh, protocol is part of the collective bargaining agreement, this would seem to be something where you would have to fight a little or negotiate a little bit more than just uh, implementing or changing the rule overnight. But given the circumstances involved, and uh, you know, also the fact that they will check for a concussion if you if your head hits the ice and a player, but not the boards, I would think you could put some language, some additional language in there to help uh, make this concussion rule a little better. Or is it too late now for this season? I think it's, it might be too late for this season. I mean, uh, if it is a collectively bargained type thing. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, sit down in June or July and say, look, we got to address this. And I think that would sort of get to your sentiment about them, you know, really being somewhat proactive when you've got rule changes or things that, that need to be addressed. And this, I think, is something that needs to be addressed. I don't know how anybody can sit there and watch this and say, yep, what happened there was okay. Yep. And maybe this sort of, uh, maybe this whole incident with Crosby will help uh, get that change going, and that would be good overall for the league. Pittsburgh five and oh yeah, I think yep. I, I would say that if it happened to some nobody, I don't think you know we're probably talking about it. But when it happens to the biggest star in the game, uh, there should be notoriety on it, and they should spend some time to look into this and, and hopefully fix it. Yep, and the fact that it's the playoffs as well certainly right. adds more magnitude to the situation. Pittsburgh 5 and 0 in road game 7s, Washington 0 and 3 against Pittsburgh in game 7. So it, all the stats seen, you know, going into this game as if uh it's you know Pittsburgh's to lose, quite frankly. I mean, they like they won't lose, but the last four periods Washington has outscored the Penguins 8 to 2. Uh in going back to the third period of game 5 and then game 6. Uh, I don't know if the move uh, of Ovechkin down to the third line, how much of a big deal or how much difference that has made to Washington, but you can't argue with the results, I guess, at this point right now by Barry Trotz. No, I think he, he uh, I mean, I just think he's into desperation mode and you know you got to change something. And uh, I think it's smart when, you know, I, I would say because we're related to our favorite team, you know, the Wild sort of waited until they were down 3 0 to try anything. And even the stuff they tried wasn't that drastic. And, I think when you're the Capitals, and for a lot of the reasons we've already talked about, you know, how much pressure there is on them this season. I think you just you gotta shake some shake things up. I think Ovechkin sliding down the line. I mean, this is just a really deep team. We talked about that in the playoffs too. So it's, to me, it's not as big of a deal because you've got players that are definitely capable of stepping in there. So uh, I'm glad it's worked out, and I'm glad that the Capitals are in position. I will be pulling for them to win Game Seven. Is if. If the Capitals do lose, again, we don't know that at this point, but right. uh, would would Trotz moving Ovechkin down to the third line shield him from any more criticism than he would otherwise receive being on the first line? Or no, I, I tend to think no, but I wanted to get your perspective of that. I would say no. I think there's a lot bigger issues at play here. I mean, I, I would say, and I think this kind of goes for whoever loses Game 7, it's the goaltending. I mean, I, neither goaltender has been amazing in the series. And uh, considering how good Brayton Holtby was during the regular season, if they somehow lose Game 7 because of him, he's going to take a fair share of the blame. And uh, certainly a lot of the other blame should go to the rest of the skaters on the team. But, uh, you know, 
there there will be plenty of blame. I think it'll be pretty hot and heavy uh, after Game Seven if they were to lose. I think it'll be plenty to go around. Another Game Seven Wednesday night will be the Edmonton Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks. This series probably shouldn't even be going to a Game Seven. I don't know how Edmonton gives up three goals there in the final three plus minutes uh, of Game Five. I know the Ducks had the goalie pulled, but that is one major collapse by the Oilers there in Game 5, and then they exploded for seven goals in Game 6. But here you are, Game 7, this Oilers team, so young. uh, And, I mean, they do have, I guess, some veterans like Milan Lucic, but uh, then you look at the Ducks, and they haven't been much better in Game 7s here, and we know their whole history there with Boudreaux. And uh, this... This game, to me, is really intriguing as well, for just from the contrast and standpoints on where these two teams come in. I think so. I, I completely agree. I think it's a, a very intriguing end to what has been a very uh, you know insane series in a lot of ways. I mean, just the, the goal scoring and the pile of goals we've had, uh, you know, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, that is an indefensible collapse from the Oilers in Game 5. Um, and then the fact that they just blitzed Anaheim from the very get-go in Game 6, and now, you know, you're in Game 7, you're back in Anaheim, when you have the chance to close it out at home, and you, you let that Game 5 go, so uh, it's hard to say how this one's going to shake out either, I, I think I'm I'm pulling for uh, Anaheim, or excuse me, Edmonton, just because yep. I think they're a little bit more fun story, but if Anaheim wins, I mean, it's going to be hard to really complain, they, they are probably uh, the better team, um, so it's an interesting position for them to find themselves in, um, you know, I think for the NHL, they should be able to take advantage of having you know, two really good Game 7s on the same night, hopefully. Yes, yes, because there's nothing better in sports, or almost nothing better, than a Game 7. And especially a playoff hockey Game 7s is very difficult to beat. So I like you pulling for the Oilers. I like Connor McDavid. I like seeing this young Oilers squad finally uh play up to the level I think everyone was kind of expecting when they had all these number one overall draft picks over the last number well, of the years. One thing, the one thing I would say is, you know, I'll pull for them now. You know, three years from now, I might not be pulling for right. them because they might be, you know, the monsters of the, the Western Conference. But for the time being, I, I can pull for uh, the young young Conor McDavid. Yes, and then, uh, I mean, the other team in the West that's waiting for the winner of this one, the Nashville Predators, disposed of the St. Louis Blues back on Sunday, uh, I mean, I would have to think that they're going to be the favorites. Or, or who? Okay, so would you put them as the favorites over both Anaheim and Edmonton or just over Edmonton? I think I'd make them the favorites in both. And I think the main reason why is they've shown that going on the road for the first two games of the series doesn't really matter to them, So, uh, which would be the position I think they'd find themselves in. So, um, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't really think anything's going to phase them. I mean, they're playing so well, Nashville is right now. I, I would say the layoff is maybe more of an issue than uh, the fact that they've, uh, that they, you know, could be, you know, on the road, but uh, they didn't have any issue with that between the, the first and second series either. So, um, you know, one thing I would say about that series is it really drove home, you know, how good Nashville is. I mean, just a really solid team. They're getting great goaltending right now. And just how much Mirage. You know, the Blues really are. Um, it's it's got to be frustrating if you're a wild uh, guy that, uh, that you know, they bowed out so quickly to the Blues uh, and how little offense the Blues really have. But and they got there. They beat the Wild fair and square. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nashville, I think, is, you know, 
I would say they're my favorite now if the team's left in the West to get there to the final. Yep. Uh, Nashville, and then I would say, I mean, geez, Anaheim or Edmonton. I mean, it is a toss-up. I think you can make this really strong argument for any of the three teams out West. I can't say the same about the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I'm still kind of perplexed at how they beat the New York Rangers there in six games, but they did. Uh, Craig Anderson really playing really good in net, but this team certainly doesn't excite me one bit. Uh, so I'm really hoping that the winner of this Pittsburgh-Washington game will dispatch of the Senators in the Eastern Conference Final so we don't have to see Ottawa in the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. I'm pretty sure when we did the preview thing, Ottawa was one of the teams that kind of crossed out as not being uh, potential Eastern Conference contenders, and now here they are. They're you know, inexplicably uh, in the, the Eastern Conference Final. Now, I would say that you know they obviously have to use your bracket. I mean, they... they you know, didn't have to play Washington. They didn't have to play Columbus. They didn't have to play Pittsburgh. So, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't, you know, and they didn't play Montreal. I mean, there's just they, they they didn't have a they didn't have a terribly difficult road. So, um, they'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I hope they enjoy the two uh, home games that they will get against either Washington or Pittsburgh, and that will be it. I think the series will be done in four or five games. So, I hope so. I hope so. Well, Marcus, I appreciate the time, as always. Uh, we'll be chatting next week, I'm sure. And uh, go sell some hummus if you're Ed Orgeron now, you hear? Get some hummus. Everybody needs a hummus. Everybody go get a hummus. Buy yourself a hummus and get to Baton Rouge. You can take it on sale right now. Does, uh, does Eddie O, does he watch, and I'm not talking about Eddie Olchek, but does Ed Orgeron, does he watch playoff hockey? We got to watch it. You got you to gotta get Two bowls of gumbo, and you got to sit there and you got to watch it. And and uh, if you got to drink nine Red Bulls, two, way too many Red Bulls, you drink the Red Bulls, you watch it, you eat the gumbo, you have the That is excellent. Thank you so much, Marcus and Ed Orgeron, for joining the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic, kind enough to join us, talk some hockey, and a great Eddie O impersonation. Not Eddie Olchek, NBC Sports Analyst, Ed Orgeron. LSU head football or football head coach, uh, great great impersonation. I love it. They did something with Dan Levitard on Wednesday, uh, having people call in. Fortunately, Marcus did not. I I, I begged him to, but uh, did not. Uh, doesn't want his unique skill to get out there to the rest of the world. It's kind of like my Mel Kiper Jr. here. You're going to talk about some NFL draft. going to talk about the NHL hockey playoffs. Maybe a little NBA sprinkle in the Kentucky Derby in there. Of course, we got the Preakness coming up in Baltimore. So that, that there we go. Uh, that That's enough of that. That's enough of that sort of impersonation type deal uh, and all the like. But uh, Mel Kiper and Ed Orgeron, kind enough here to join us on the Sports Block podcast. Uh, we will talk at length more, not about the, the, the state of the what's going on here in the country, but the the state of Massachusetts next week with what happened with uh, the, the Aaron Hernandez conviction, or, I, I, I mean, they just erased his murder conviction because he committed suicide and he was in the middle of an appeals process. Uh, what the, what? I, I don't, I just don't get what the, the state of Massachusetts is doing. I have to think that this sort of, uh, that this sort of law will 
be is going to be heavily scrutinized and look for changes to be made but we'll talk about that next week uh the just a quick sdsu sports update baseball they are in the summit league tournament up in fargo 19 and 22 on the season wait no sorry the the the, the tournament is coming up later not now my apologies I think it's softball. We'll get to that in a moment. Baseball, though, uh, they did win two of three games against Western Illinois last week. They are at they are in Fort Wayne this weekend, Friday, 2 p.m. first pitch. Saturday at 1 p.m. first pitch, and then Sunday at noon. Then the final three games of the regular season uh, are yeah are in Brookings, and then May 24th through the 27th will be the. Summit League Tournament, that down there in Tulsa. I was confusing baseball with the softball. Softball 19-34 and 34 here on the on the year, but they will take on, they're taking on right now, should say, Western Illinois. And if they win that one, North Dakota State on Thursday, the rest of the Summit League Tournament then will finish up this weekend. NCAA Regionals, May 18th through the 21st. Super Regionals, 25th through the 28th. And then the Women's College World Series, June 1st through the 7th. They're in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The men's golf team will get things going next week when they are in Stanford, California, the the NCAA Regional there. So good luck to the team there. Uh, What's that? Tee off on Monday. So we'll have plenty of reaction or we'll, we'll give you an update next week about that and of course track and field you can all find out about what they've done this last week and what's coming up ahead there on gojacks.com and that is an sdsu sports update for more on all these stories and so much more schedules statistics you name it go to gojacks.com a lot of good hard-working people at the sports information department keeping you up on the latest regarding jackrabbit athletics a good story on espn.com about zach zenner and his work with lab rats this uh doing some medical stuff he's keeping his brain smart of course he wants to be in medical school so uh, a good article there by uh, michael rothstein rothstein there the detroit lions uh main beat writer there for espn.com he's not one of the hundred people that got laid off so that that's good news there even though uh the disney ceo had some things to say about that and it's just uh well, this this story will never go away but yeah, uh, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs continuing to uh, to happen. We'll have plenty of reaction next week. They'll be in the conference finals for sure. The NHL will have dropped the puck. The NBA will hopefully tip off as well. But who the heck knows? But I want to thank Travis and Marcus for coming on the show as always. And you can find this podcast and Travis's 2080 Baseball Podcast on iTunes. Just go to iTunes and search the sports block. Also have this uh, the, a link posted the, uh, for the podcast posted on Twitter. Follow me at ND Stack and otherwise on Facebook, Nathan Stack. And also have a link to it in the blog, the stack at stackattack.sportsblog.com whenever we do publish that or get it updated. Normally it's about Thursday or Friday that we have it. So uh, this week probably Friday. But uh, thanks again to Travis and Marcus for coming on. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We will back. We will be back next week with plenty more to talk about NBA, NHL playoffs. Aaron Hernandez, 
We'll see what else, plenty of baseball talk. We'll see what else creeps up there too. But that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sports Block Podcast. And I hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken signing off. Have a great week, great weekend. Talk to you next week.